Hey guys, welcome to Half Torah with Aviga Eliana. That was that. <laughs> I was gonna be like, I always say, wait, I always wait, say, where should, I, where should I put this? You put it here. Okay, we're I'm doing it. New location, because guess what? We in isolation. Corona is like whack right now. Like you guys probably know, today is March 18th. I'm looking at 2020. My wrist. That doesn't have a because you know this is gonna be out in like five years. People are gonna be listening. It's oh 2020 God. right now. Vintage. Yeah, Vintage of a guy. Oh my god, guys. I don't know if the world ends by the time you guys. Oh like, my god. Listen to. I don't know. We're getting into Shemaim really with crazy. these videos, though. Yeah. Sounds better be like, you help the youth. Yeah. <laughs> legit, um, legit. So, you know where we are. We're not in our usual spot. So we usually don't do know it on we the are. <laughs> we're, no, we're actually, actually, It was a question. I didn't phrase it correctly. We're not do in you know the base. Because we're not allowed to be. We're, we're in the home base. The home base. We're in the house. Yeah. I live in the house. Yeah, Abigail, Chaver 32. Right? Yeah, not Chaver 32. Hey, stalk us. Um, hey, baby. And we're actually in Shirji's um, We're in Shirji's room. Yeah, Shirji. She's let Shout out. out. Shout out. Hey. Okay, guys, okay. we're sorry about that. <laughs> we have actual listeners. I'm yeah, people, this out. Listen. people yeah. do listen, actually. Everyone's yeah. That was Shirji. She's fire. She's part of the squad. Hola, but... mis amigos. Guys, we actually are. <laughs> A little, a little crazy, crazy, a little crazy. It oh is crazy. God, and guys. guys, this might be like one of the last like normal-ish Torahs for like a while. Yeah, for a little we, while. We don't really know what's happening in the future because things happen. Things change every single day. Yeah. And it's it's a really confusing time. And I know it's not it's just for us. Crazy. But like, it's really crazy just being like in seminary. So many people are leaving. Yeah. I'm probably leaving next week unless Israel gets... It together? Well, no, they might be doing like a full lockdown and then i won't like no planes will be flying out that means i'll be stuck here too right i hope that doesn't happen we really really, it's just like it's a situation where nobody knows what's happening next like at all yeah um very under wraps and mm -hmm. so not so helpful to us but you know what that's a win-win for you guys because either we're safe in america and it might be a little harder to have torah or we're here we're stuck here and we got you guys every week yeah guys we're gonna do half tour either way but i would just like to say yeah we're gonna finish we're about to finish oh my god and it's a double week so yeah i mean you see in the title it's vayak alpaku day yeah but But, that um, means two two for you guys two for you guys and it's all gonna be in one so this is a long one yeah but get hyped we know you guys love it yeah and then you guys can like I was about to say comment down below. I oh literally was so stuck on like my comment down below. I said comment down below. Tweet which us. one do you like better? Which which half Torah bar Torah do you like better? Yeah. Um, oh. but where are we oh, gonna really? get this, this bar is, Torah? From? I thought I don't know, guys. I cried for six hours yesterday. Oh. I just it hasn't I hit me. Yet. I haven't cried yet. Isn't that crazy? Like that I is haven't cried crazy. yet. It really hasn't like, hit me. I think I'm just gonna die. I didn't on the plane. expect it to hit me that much. And then like everyone was like, "Yep." booked flight and then people started packing and i was like i just can't deal with this yeah like, i have too much packing. emotional turmoil in the span of like these past two months have just been really really crazy two I don't months know. yeah i just had like a crazy two months okay. and like whoa i just feel like everything's happening at the same time yeah, it's, it's crazy really it's crazy bad. it's crazy but this is really like it's bittersweet because we're finishing we've officially recorded a full safer and all your shmoda torahs like it's literally here yeah this is the place Guys, we got we a niche. It. We got a niche market. Like, woo! Corona, yes. Corona. That's Kalisha. I don't know. I don't okay, know. Well, whatever. You guys deserved it. Okay. We do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. Okay. Wait. We have to. Don't look. We got to guess. Oh yeah. We got to guess what. We guess what happens in Bayaka. Okay. So I actually read it, um, and I don't remember because it was so all Sunday. Like this a bunch of like every time. Mishkan stuff. There's like 
And then there's, like, a bunch of lists at the end of... Like, Pikude is literally just, like, lists of stuff. Lists of stuff? Yeah, oh my god, um, what was it? Oh my god, guys, I have the worst recall memory <laughs> ever in the entire world. But I at the end, I was just like, okay, it's like, oh, this is, like, the number of something that... No, Shiraji's pouring cereal right now. Yeah, don't guys mind like that. the sound effects? Yeah, that's <laughs> us thinking. That's the us thinking sound effects. Oh my god. <laughs> A little ASMR for you all? Okay, let's think. Okay. Wait, so each one of them has a different enough Torah. I don't know. I'd be like... You're me. I'm one of them. <laughs> so I'd be like, different Hayyam. Ooh, that'd be smart. When did we... Wait. Oh, this last is like, Shkala, right? It's, it's post-Egal. They just got the Luchot. Yeah. Um, And now it's like... We're like Something easing in... into like all the laws. They finished... Oh, they finished up doing all the Mishkan stuff. They brought the Mishkan um, to Moshe. Okay. That happens here. Um, I'm gonna say maybe Shmuel, something Shmuel. I like Shmuel. Yeah. Like that's why maybe. I keep guessing, and I'm like, also I like, like anything with the Mishkan. I'm just like it's probably like, around Same. that. Shmuel or, like, yeah, Shmuel Lachem. Okay. Um, okay. Should we dive in? Dive in. Okay. Okay. Oh, but how are we gonna do it without this book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're buying one. Yeah. You guys get it from Corin. Now we're going to also Corin plug. Except that they're for sure closed right now. We'll have to just order it. We'll at some point. I'll just yeah. order it to my house. Same. I'm gonna get one. Oh my too. god. Yeah. We both getting it. It's fine. Um, now you know we it. Don't have to spend money on Ravkov. So. Mitoka yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ohel from within the tent. The Haftorah of the oh this is the essays of the weekly Haftorah reading from the rabbis and professors of Yeshiva University. I took your like part. That's there. totally fine. That's always your. That's always it's your okay. Thing. You know what? Like it's okay. It's chill. <laughs> we little nafohu. Guys, it's the start of a new era. It's still honor. So true. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know what? You know what it is. Yeah. Magid. Magid. Get it. Get it at Koran Jeru. Yeah. Use code Half Torah for no no percent off, but some cloud. <laughs> like they'll be like, "Ooh, you listen to Half Torah." I feel like in the in the description, I should always put like how many minutes. Oh my God! It's only been six minutes that we're talking. I should always put really like the amount like of time so until like the actual thing starts, oh, so that people know true. where the actual thing is. But like, I'm too lazy. I'm not gonna do true. that. True. And people probably like we probably spend like waste the same amount of time it around like for each. Each one, so they'll probably know, like, yeah, they'll just like skip point. through and then they'll be like, Oh, they started, like, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, what yeah. I do. Okay, well, so perfect. Now at 6 20, we are beginning. Perfect. So, this is go. by Rabbi Eric Goldman, Haftarat Bayakel, um, and the second Shabbat Hanukkah, coming closer to God. The Haftorah for Parsha Bayakel, otherwise known as Nerot to Shlomo, has many unique characteristics. First, there is the infrequency with which it is actually read. During most years, Vayakal and Pekude are read together, and following the general halacha for double partiot, the Haftorah for Pekude takes precedence. Even on leap years when Vayakal is read on its own, its Haftorah is often passed over in place of the one for Parshat Shkalan. That's kind of oh, interesting. Secondly, whereas many Haftorot require somewhat of an analysis in order to connect them to the Parsha they are paired with, the connection of the Haftorah for Vayakal and the Parsha itself is plainly obvious. The Parsha deals with fashioning the vessels of the Mishkan, and the Haftorah deals with the fashioning the vessels for the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, okay. So is that like that Shlomo? Shlomo? Oh, Shlomo vibes? Yeah, because it also said Nero to Shlomo or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ready? Thanks. <laughs> Lastly, very often, the Ashkenazim and Spartan choose noticeably different themes on which to base their choice of Haftorot. However, the Haftorah for Bayakel, according to the Ashkenazim, is merely the second half of the parak that the Spartan used for their Haftorah. Both traditions... Choose, cho- uh, chose to focus on the building of the Beit HaMikdash and its vessels, differing only in the particular vessels on which to elaborate. This Haftorah does, does have one unusual factor, in that it doubles as the Haftorah for the second Shabbat of Hanukkah, since one of the Kela mentioned in the Haftorah is the, is the menorah. Right. However, this too is somewhat ironic, since Hanukkah is very rarely spread out over two Shabbatot. 
The Gemara tells us that when there is only one Shabbat during Hanukkah, Nerot to Shlomo is passed over once again in favor of the section in Zechariah known as Nerot to Zechariah, which also mentions the menorah of the Beit HaMikdash. However, the Gemara does not explain why the Haftorah of Nerot to Zechariah should take precedence over precedence, precedence, mm-hmm. um, over the Haftorah of Nerot to Shlomo. That's so, like, sad, kind of. Yeah. Like, why are they, like, I mean, averaging this... Haftorah. Right, but, like, I don't know enough about this week. I know, like, the Shabbatot between Purim and Pesach do have, like, like, we had, like... Yeah, like, Shkallin. before. So, like, is this week... Do they even read this this week? Or is there, like, a different... Well, this week, I, I think, because no we have Vayakal Pude, no? Well, that's the actual Torah reading. Oh, uh, what are you asking? Like, the Haftorah. Do they have, like, is it, like, a special Shabbos this week? Guys, comment down yeah, below. I don't, I don't know, know my Jewish stuff. That's so weird. Uh, I mean, it kind of does make sense that they would make this for two if they're, like, it's so rare for either one. So, right. like, you don't want to, like, read it for Hanukkah and then read it again. But then it's, like, I'm, like kind of sad. And then you just don't like, read it for Yeah, either, like, um, we're just never going to read it. I mean, and you usually read Shkullam anyway, like. Right. I would Google it, but I have no Wi-Fi right now, guys. Yeah, guys. guys but welcome to the bomb shelter. <laughs> the basement. Literally Stone Age. <laughs> yeah, I pointed to the walls. It was funny. Okay. It was funny. <laughs> we got to switch to, like, vlog at some point. Yeah, legit. Like, yeah. Well, if we do it on Zoom then. <laughs> True. Yeah. Okay. The Ron explains that we should be reading Nerot to Shlomo because it precedes Nerot to Zechariah. However, because the Nevuah in Nerot to Zechariah refers to the menorah that will be in the second Beta Mikdash, the very same menorah that the miracle of Hanukkah will take place with, it is this Nevuah that takes precedence. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Rav, um, Rabbi Stroll Dove Lerner and his Sefer Haftorah Yugamara explains that. The connection of the Nerot to Zechariah and the Nerot to Hashmonaim may go even deeper than uh, simply being a reference. This Nebuah of Zechariah came after the Jewish people had been placed under the yoke of nations of the world. Likewise, the Nerot to Hashmonaim, the actual menorah of the second Beit HaMikdash, burned at its brightest after the harsh decrees and yoke of the Greeks had been placed upon the Jewish nation. Although the miracle of Hanukkah was a momentous event for the Jewish people, it came during a time when we had otherwise been struggling to feel God's presence, just as in the time, um, just as in the time that the Nevuah of Zechariah had been given. Okay. Alright. Fine, fine. Perhaps with this connection between the Nerot to Zechariah and the Nerot to Hashmonaim, we can reach a deeper understanding of the rarity with which our Haftorah, Nerot to Shlomo, is read on Hanukkah. The only time Hanukkah is two Shabbatot is if the first day of Hanukkah is on Shabbat, in which case the eighth and final day of Hanukkah will also fall out on Shabbat. The eighth day of Hanukkah is often referred to as Zot Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah. In Jewish thought, the number eight carries with it great significance. The number seven symbolizes the natural order of the world. There are seven days in a week, seven years in a Shemitah cycle, seven sets of Shemitah cycles in a Yobel cycle, etc. Um, on the other hand, the number eight means that something is limala min hateva, above um, the natural order I've of heard things. this. It's like a Kabbalistic like, yeah. idea. Um, because it is more strongly connected to God. For example, the Yom Tov of Shemini Atzeret is an exceptional Yom Tov because it is on the day that God tells us, um, Kasha Alai um, Perid. Your separation is difficult for on me. Okay. It is a Yom Tov that expresses an intense relationship between us and God. Therefore, it is this Yom Tov that has to take place on the eighth day, i.e. after the seven days of Sukkot. That's so interesting. Shout out to this, yeah. like, um, Kabbalistic rabbi who I met in Spot last year. I think his name's David Friedman. He taught me all about the number eight. Cool. You guys visit Spot. You should visit him. He has really sick art, really sick ideas. Now that... Amudim is not in essence not trip. happening. Yeah. Um, spot trip is yeah. So sad. I've never been there. 
I didn't go this year. So if we're if we're together next year, which we will be, that's right, Shane. We will go. (laughs) What's it called? No, but his his like whole thing is that eight on its side is infinity. It's kind of fire. I'm not gonna spoil the rest, but (laughs) it's really good. I really had like his speech was fire. Like not gonna lie. Um, Okay. So the only other time we have a celebration on a national level that lasts eight days is Hanukkah. Um, it is the eighth day that sets it apart from all the other Yom Tovim that we have. It is on the eighth day that Hanukkah rises above the natural order of the world and is Lamala Minhateva, and we are thus able to feel a deeper and more intense connection to God. It is Zot Hanukkah. The Gemara in Masechet Yoma, Yoma yeah, um, relates that there was a vast that there were vast differences between the first and second temples. The second Beit Hamikdash had no Aron, no Kaporet, and no Keruvim, no heavenly fire on the altar, and no Urim. Uh, the Tumim, for the Kohen Gadol. In stark contrast, all of these were present in the first Beit HaMikdash. The first Beit HaMikdash had a more open re- revelation of God's presence, which was something that was severely lacking in the second. However, there was one time during the period of second Beit HaMikdash that we were able to feel God's presence more strongly than we had previously. It was during Hanukkah, when we were Zohar to have God perform his Nis Nikla the open miracle, of having the menorah stay lit for a full eight days. It was during this time we felt closest to that level of God's presence in this world in this world that we have been zochet to feel during the time of the first Beit HaMikdash. Wow. Yeah. Therefore, when the eighth day of Hanukkah falls out on Shabbat, and we are given a chance to express the essence of this day, we are able to read about the Nero to Shlomo, because it was on the eighth day of Hanukkah that we were given a taste of the intense closeness to God that we had during the, f- the first Beit HaMikdash. We can therefore recall the days of old by reading about the Nerot to Shlomo and reading about a time when God's presence was dwelling tangibly in this world, and we were able to experience such a close and intense relationship with him, feeling that, God willing, we should experience again shortly. That's crazy. So, why did he bring in Zachariah? He's just comparing all the, like, Nerot yeah. and Div, right? Yeah, because like, this kind of went Torah is Shlomo. Yeah. Right, okay. So, that, like, confused me for a sec. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I was going to say that. Sec. Like fire. Yeah, Like gotcha, Nair. Gotcha. Like, <laughs> like a menorah. <laughs> right? Um, I think, I don't know. I like this for Torah. I just feel like I didn't really get anything about, like, the actual Haftorah. Right. Like, like a, now I know what it is. It's a good, like, Dvar Torah. Yeah. Like, it's, on, it's like, a really nice, like, Hanukkah Dvar Torah. Yeah. Like, we should name this, like, the Hanukkah special. Right. The Haftorah <laughs> Hanukkah special. special. Like, March... <laughs> March 2020. That's true. But yeah, so I don't know, pretty cute. And it was pretty short. Yeah. Now we on to the next. And yeah, I, I like the parallels. Okay. Haftarat Pikude, Rabbi Eli Mischel, I think. Um, the Bloody Hands of King David. Ooh. Oh, wait. Okay. I said that. Oh my gosh. Gaya. I don't yeah. remember what I said. It's a Malachim baby. Oh, this is like the Macbeth stuff, I think, if I'm remembering. Or maybe I'm just thinking of Bloody Hands. You know Macbeth, Chelsea. Bloody Hands, yeah? Like, no, not well enough. Oh, she's like... Um, Lady Macbeth kills some people, and then she thinks she sees blood on her hands. Spoiler. Even though it's not... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you know what? We're also spark notes. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're having a Macbeth test, like, she doesn't actually have blood on her hands. She's just hallucinating because she's it's paranoid. Like, yeah. And she feels guilty. Okay. Wow, that's really get cool. A, get an A on that test, y'all. Now oh, we're We love Shakespeare. Back. Hashtag plug. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> also, got, yeah, buy all your Shakespeare. Maybe Corinne will release some Shakespeare collections <laughs> in the near future. Shakespeare in Hebrew. Okay. Thought bubble popped. Pop. Wait. <laughs> that thought bubble, like, floated away for yeah. a second. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. A puzzling refusal. 
Unlike any other king of Israel, David holds a unique place in the hearts of, and minds of the Jewish people to this very day. He is the gold standard for a leader of Israel, a man who combined great righteousness with wisdom, courage, and self-sacrifice. He slew Goliath, united the tribes of Israel, and established Jerusalem as the capital of the nascent Israelite state. It was only natural for David to personally lead the Israelite nation in the building of the Beit HaMikdash, a house for the God of Israel, to whose service David had dedicated his life. But alas, it would not. It was not to be. Not David, but Shlomo, David's young son, would be granted the privilege of building the Beit Hamikdash. In the words of Shlomo, now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said unto David, my father, whereas it is, it was in thy heart to build a house for my name, thou did, didst well that it was in thy heart. Nevertheless, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son shall come forth out of thy loins. He shall build the house of my name, for my name. So that was like Loki thought bubble really quick. That was kind of Shakespearean. So that was. I oh called that God. too. Amazing. I called that too. Um, David's yearning to build a house for God, much like Moshe's great desire to enter the land of Israel, is silenced by the word of God. What is the reason for this apparent injustice? Why is David, David among the greatest of men, refused the chance to build God's temple? Unlike God's refusal to listen to Moshe's pleas, which remain unexplained, we are given a reason why David cannot build the temple. In Devarim Yamim, David himself reveals the reason behind God's refusal. Should I read that too? Or, sure. Okay. And David said to Solomon, "My son, as for me, it was in my heart to build a house, um, to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and has made great wars." Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, um, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> These paragraphs are confusing, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, like, this this one, for some reason, is written in, like, classic Magid yeah. style. Like, I have other books. Well, it really belongs to the base, and I had to put it back. Okay. Sob. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, like, have, like, these, like, titles, and then have, like, all the paragraphs underneath. Like, it's, like, just yeah. a different essay style. Maybe he's, like, maybe he, like, works under Magid or something. Yeah, probably. Like, they can't have, like, they, these are probably not all, like, Magid, like... Well, it's, uh, it's YU teachers, I think. What's is Magid? YU? No, Yeshiva University. No, I know what, I know what YU <laughs> is. <laughs> like, no. I mean, like, yeah, so it's not like... I mean, I think they're just working like, as no, so I'm saying, like, he's this. definitely, like, a yeah. YU rabbi, but totally, maybe he, like, totally, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Who really knows? Comment know. down below. What's your guys, thoughts? we don't know. Okay. Dam la rov shafach ta u milchamot gedolot asita. That was all Anglified. I, I was a great Hebrew reader. I hate when they make the Hebrew words. Yeah, they just transliterated. Like, it's just so write it in Hebrew. Hebrew. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, sorry. A little, a little rant for you. Okay. It really is annoying. Oh, my God. Because then you just sound like you're, like, some kid, like, I'm trying like, to sound out a word. You're, like, vidam, like, what? Because, like, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. That translates to, you have shed blood abundantly and have made great wars. As the great warrior of Israel, David slew tens of thousands among the enemies of Israel, bringing peace and security to the tribes of Israel that they had rarely experienced before. And for this, quote-unquote, sin of defending the people of Israel and expanding the borders of the Holy Land, David has refused the right to build the Beit HaMikdash. All of David's battles were fought for the honor of and the word of God. This phrase, Dam la shafachta, is practically begging for an explanation, prompting commentators throughout the generations to suggest 
fascinating explanations for this puzzling sin of David. Some classic responses. The Yalkut Shimoni, in counterintuitive fashion, explains that when David was told that he could not build the Beit HaMikdash due to the blood that he had shed, he became frightened and said, I am not worthy of building the Beit HaMikdash. God replied soothingly to David, Do not fear. Those whom you killed in battle are like sacrifices before me. If so, why was David forbidden to build the Beit HaMikdash? God continued and explained that if David would build the Beit HaMikdash, it would never be destroyed, and if the Beit HaMikdash were to be indestructible, there would be no physical object upon which Hashem could pour out his wrath when the people of Israel sinned. The people themselves would be forced to bear the brunt of God's anger. Uh, I I don't know don't how like how that. much I'm feeling that. Actually. That's like medrash upon medrash upon medrash. Yeah. It's like okay, I'm gonna make up a story about God. Yeah, and okay. now you have to explain it, and now you have to explain it with another weird story. Like like, and I don't like that. I don't like like God. First of all, like he nothing could be like. I don't feel like anything could be indestructible. Like God, like nothing, like that's right. like built like that's can God that. create like a rock that he can't move like that's can just, can it's just untrue. and that doesn't make any sense that David would be able to build a mikdash that God can't destroy right obviously we're not smarter than the Yalkut Shimoni yeah. but like I just think that he probably meant something else by this it can't be taken at face value because yeah like it, that just doesn't make sense like yeah, think yeah. logically like you you cannot make a God like God just that's not within yeah God is all powerful. But that doesn't mean that there's no impossibilities. Yeah. And this is an impossibility. Yeah. Like, I just feel like... I, and I don't like that explanation either, that, like, he's, like, like you know, God's, like, nervous. He's like, oh, no, like, maybe I'll kill all the Jews if I don't have, like, a building yeah, to no, destroy. That's like that's not how it works. Yeah. And, right. like, anyway, like, during destructions of the temples, it wasn't like, oh, this building's destructed now and all the Jews are fine. Yeah. Like... He sounds insecure in his belief in God, and, like, he's, like, pouring it out in the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, my God. I literally <laughs> roasting. roasting him. Guys, um, we respect authority. Sometimes. Okay, yeah. it's your turn. When it's, when it's right. <laughs> the Alcott's answer. The Alcott's answer, though, interesting, turns the simple reading of the verses in Devray Amim on their head. David was not unfit to build the Beta Mikdash. Rather, he was too fit. The Malbim offers a more straightforward approach, explaining that David was unworthy of building the Benamikdash due to shedding blood unnecessarily by engaging in, volunta- by engaging in voluntary wars. Milchamot Harishu. Radak adds that although David did nothing wrong by killing his enemies, he was ultimately responsible for the deaths of thousands of Gentiles, among whom were surely good people. A man who has killed innocent victims, no matter how unavoidable his actions were, is not fit to build a Benamikdash, the house of peace. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's very yeah, yeah. straightforward. Like yeah. that's like that's like the shot I always yeah same read. is like, that like yeah he killed a bunch of people he shouldn't build this. Right. <laughs> um, in contrast to Malbim and Radak, who focus on the actions of David, Ram- the Rambam understands Dam la Shafachta. I just never can do that <laughs> as an inherent flaw in David's character. He writes shockingly that David was a bal achzariut, a man of cruelty. While well, David's oh. cruelty was wielded only against the enemies of Israel, nonetheless, a man with such a character flaw was not the appropriate choice to build the Beit HaMikdash. Honestly, like, I kind of could see that, like, character arc for David. Just because, right. like, the way he, like, grew up, like, he literally, like, got his place by, like, ki- like slaying, like, Goliath. Like, that's, like, yeah. what he's known for. It's, like, and it's, like, it makes sense. Like, the trajectory is, sense. like, he becomes, like, a bat. Like, he's the first, like, real good king of Israel. Like, he's like, he has person, to do with so like, many things and, like, right. make so many sacrifices. Like, it's gonna, like, harden you. Yeah, and it's such, like, a big idea in Judaism that, like, actions shape character and, like, so yeah. obviously, like, the things that he's done will influence him. It doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes yeah. him maybe, like, uh, like, like if he's building the Beta Mikdash, then his ideals are going to go into it, you yeah. know? And, like, and, like in, yeah. his, in his job, like, um, like, in his, like, position, I think that it's something that, like, a lot of people of power kind of get, like, 
like I don't know if cruelty is like cruelty is like a little scary but like maybe just like kind of like yeah like hardened or like cold mm-hmm. like you can't you can't you know be at all like you can't be everything for everyone like you have to be like a ruler sometimes you can't just be like a nice guy and on the other like side like snap of a finger like start a war with like right. random people yeah he yeah. just like wasn't the right person to do it yeah how can Rambam make such an assumption about the character of David based solely on the phrase Dun la Shafachta? Um, well, Rambam does not state so explicitly. He appears to base his presumption on the principle of Achare ha pelut nimshachin ha levavot. One's heart is drawn after one's actions. Our oh, character- that's like what you said! Oh, hey, you're right. I finally get one. <laughs> um, <laughs> our character traits are shaped to a great degree by our actions. Oh my god, okay. No matter how kind he may naturally be, a man who spends years of his life immersed in battle and bloodshed will develop oh. at least to some degree the trait of cruelty. We, we are, are so on fire! fire! Oh my god. What the heck, guys? You are <laughs> hearing like genius oh talk right now. <laughs> Remember when Rebduka was like, you guys have to analyze it more? Listen to this hey! one, Rebduka. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> oh my god, okay, it's your turn. Okay. This, the powerful effect of war upon soldiers is described quite powerfully in the Seventh Day. Soldiers talk about the Six-Day War, in which Israeli veterans of the Six-Day War describe the impact of the fighting on their psyche and character. One soldier related, As we went on fighting, I began to care less. For the whole three days we fought, I was sick and vomiting, but it meant less and less to me. All my friends were going down, and we grew madder and madder. As we grew angrier, we stopped being human beings. You start out shouting, you start out shouting but by this time, we were, just, we were all just machines for killing. Everyone's face is set in a snarl, and there's a deep growl coming from your belly. You want to kill and kill. You grow, you grow, you grow like an animal. You, you grow like an animal. You know, no worse, worse than an animal. I can't read, guys. Oh <laughs> man! Right <laughs> Try to finish this. Yeah, go for it. Okay. One can argue that a soldier's intense emotions during the time of battle, however cruel they may be, do not necessarily have a long-term impact on a soldier's character traits. However, Amnon. Another veteran of the Six-Day War describes, described his eyewitness accounts of a car accident and the way in which his battlefield exper- experiences affected his reaction to the accident. A few days after the war, I was standing by the road, when suddenly a man was flung out of a car and just lay there on the roadside. Everyone nearby started running around in panic, but I found myself standing there quite indifferent to it all. The first picture that flashed in my mind was, was of bodies like this lying on the roadside. I really saw it like that, and I just stood there. And he was one of us, a Jew. So if that's what you mean by life becoming cheaper, then perhaps. Clearly, the traumatic experiences of a soldier in war can leave a lasting impact. As such, Rambam's assessment of David's character, while harsh, at least has a life to stand on. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, it does. he would have PTSD. Of he course. would, like, you know. Yeah. Like, Rambam, like, that's kind of, like, way yeah. ahead of his time. Like, I mean, obviously, yeah, there was right. still, like... I mean, there were battles. No, but, yeah, like, people knew about it. But, yeah. like, PTSD and stuff, like... But you, like not that like, I mean, he wasn't indifferent to life, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like it's just like I've seen this so many times. Like, you, yeah, you kind of become numb to it. It's like yeah. so difficult that like you just can't. Your emotions can't handle that much. You know? Yeah, yeah, true. Sacrificing purity for the sake of righteousness. While insightful, the explanations offered by the classic commentaries are ultimately unsatisfying. Was David truly worth worthy of punishment for simply following God's command? Command? What? Hold on. First of all, I don't really agree. I thought that that was very satisfying. And I don't know. If, I mean, it is a punishment, but it's not like he's not like it's not punishing him by punishment. like yeah yeah. It's like passive punishment. Like right. he's like you just can't do this. He's not like I'm gonna like kill you. Right. 
Um, and while the effects of war on the psyche of soldiers are real, Ron's assessment of David as possessing the trait of cruelty is hard to accept, given his great love for the people of Israel. So yeah, evident in you could to him. You could do both. You could, right. like, have a lot of love, it's, but it's still like, be, like, a hard, he's, like, hard He's not, person. like, a completely, like, he's not with cold. love person. Yeah, yeah, and he's so, not, like, like a completely why, cold, like, I, think, I don't love people right. I think everything that we said before kind of, like, reflects, like, a, yeah. a person's character is dynamic. Like, yeah. you're complex. Like, it has all of it, but because it does have, like, this difficult aspect to it, like, he wasn't fit to do it. Yeah, and, like, the soldier, like the soldier said, like, he, like, when he saw, like, a dead body on the road, like, he couldn't, like, process it the way that, like, people who haven't been to yeah. war did, but, like, that doesn't mean he doesn't, like, go home to his family and, like, love his family. Like, right. he's not like, oh, these people are just, like, bodies. Right. Yeah, exactly. Is there another approach to be found? A more satisfying explanation of Dam la Roche You, I've never read that. It's never been in one of my paragraphs. I can't with that word. In his analysis of Megillat Esther, Yoram Hazoni presents a fundamental tension that exists in the life of every human being. The tension between the ideals of purity and righteousness. Every human being, explains Hazoni, has a body that constantly urges man to occupy himself with its physical and emotional needs, such as eating, digestion, physical relations, honor and anger, depression, etc. It is possible and perhaps likely for much of humanity to live one's life entirely preoccupied with the satisfaction of these bodily and emotional needs, only to find that one quote, has nothing to show for his efforts other than having worn out a body which started its career fresh, end quote. Oh, that's, that's kind that's of dark. <laughs> um, it is therefore considered a great virtue to minimize as much as possible one's focus on the body and emotions in order to enable the soul to concentrate on the higher aspects of life. This virtue, according to Hazoni, is the classic Jewish idea of kedusha, of purity. Be holy. The struggle of Jews throughout history to transcend their struggles uh, for a livelihood and fears of Gentile persecution in the pursuit of Torah scholarship and meaningful prayer is a struggle for Kedusha in the mastery and transcendence of the self. Alongside the ideal of purity, we find a second equally more important value, that of tzedek or righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness you shall pursue. Simply put, it is to help heal and improve the, wor- and improve the world for the sake of other people. Whether we seek to improve the lives of our family, community, our nation, or the world as a whole, the ideal of righteousness demands that we focus our energies and efforts outward. The tension between these two lofty ideals lies in their attitude towards power. The ideal of purity demands the man reject, that man reject power, while the ideal of righteousness can only be accomplished throughout through the accumulation of power. Mm. By definition, man's success in realizing one ideal leads him away from the, rational, the realization of the other. Okay, I don't know what this is a quote from, but it's a quote. Um, for the saint, I think it's Hazoni, actually. Um, for the saint, the man of perfect study and prayer, power is essentially exercised as a motive, and so the entire world of spiritual blemishes, the obsession with honor and wealth, tantrums and rages, depression, competitiveness, cruelty, all these are not found in him, but power is lost to him as a tool. He may give charity from what he has, but the good he can do is of necessity circumscribed. He may wish to do right in the world, but he has few resources and does not really know how. For the hero, the man of great deeds, the endless game of accumulating power, and the preoccupation with wielding it, leaves him relatively little time for contemplation, for study and thought, for prayer. He may include such activities in his daily routine, but finds it difficult to concentrate as the world presses in on him, demanding that he return to it. The saint and hero may be religious men both. Yet, the saint makes a token effort towards power and leaves the rest to God, while the hero leaves nothing to God until he himself reaches exhaustion. With an understanding of this tension, Hazoni explains that it is only natural that David, despite his greatness, was disqualified from building the Beit HaMikdash. David was a man of righteousness, the king responsible for drastically improving the lives of the people of Israel by defeating their enemies in war. 
Yet, his focus on righteousness and on acquiring their, the power necessary to further his righteous efforts came with a price, a sacrifice of, per, of personal purity. As a man of the world, David's hands were of, nece, of necessity bloodied. Dan Marov Shafachta. Woo! Got it! Consequently, God's refusal to allow David to build the Beit HaMikdash must be seen not as a sign of David's unworthiness, but rather as an indicator of his greatness and accomplishments in the realm of Tzedek. Okay. Shlomo, to whom the task of building the Beit HaMikdash falls, is not, a great, is not a greater leader than his father, David. Rather, there is a division of labor among the great leaders of Israel. It was David's role to defeat the enemies of Israel, while Shlomo was destined to be a man of peace. Shlomo, the man whose very name derives from Shalom, peace, was destined to build the house of peace, the Beit HaMikdash. I really like that. Whoa. I, I liked did it not a lot. process all of that. Like, it, that was, whoa. That was weird. Except the only thing I don't agree with is it seems like he's kind of saying that, like, righteousness and purity are, like, mutually exclusive. I mean, right. which is, like, I think it's, like, really difficult to, like, get that balance. But it's, like, like what I was thinking is, the, like, in Pirkei Avot, like, it's, like, the, it's literally, like, Torah Avot, like, Chassidim. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to, like, have that balance. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, the three pillars. Exactly. Yeah, so like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that they are mutually exclusive. Like, I understand how they kind of might have been for David, like, in his position. Like, he kind of did have to choose, like, do I want to, like, go to these wars and, like, do all of this for my people? Or do I want to, like, you know, stay, like, introspective and, like, serve God and, like, whatever. Like, he kind of did have to make a decision there. Yeah, but I feel like he couldn't have been king if he made that decision. yeah i know like i'm saying right. like he did yeah, like exactly. for him it was mutually exclusive yeah he, he like it's good it's great that he was so amazing and righteous but like he didn't really like like he's kind of saying like he didn't have right. the opportunity to be yeah. like pure if he was going to be that like outward and like righteous mm-hmm. I, yeah i like this this is a very like that kind of confused me but yeah uh, yeah yeah i like it it's good and i like the like like, I think maybe, like, that's kind of, like, a reward, maybe, for him that, like, Shlomo, like, was... Yeah, good. totally. Like, it's oh not a God. punishment. It's not like, you can't right. do it, your son's gonna do it. It's like, you can't do it, but I'm gonna give you a son who's gonna, like, merit the opportunity to, like, build a Bain of Mikdash. Like, he'll be pure, and you'll... For sure. Oh. It's just, like, division of power. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Here you go. Equally enlightening is the contrast between David and, and his immediate predecessor, Shaul HaMelech. Yeah, predecessor. Shaul, chosen by God as the first king of Israel, is one of the more fascinating figures of Tanakh. He was a unique man, a great leader of his generation, and yet tragically his reign fell apart, beginning with his inability to follow God's command in the battle against the Amalekite nation. His misplaced mercy led to a strange and terrifying downfall, culminating in suicide just moments before he could be captured by the Pelishtim, the mortal enemy of the Jewish people. The general perception of Shaul is one of failure. He is... He is the great man who, for one reason or another, simply couldn't make it as a king, and is soon replaced by the great King David. However, Rav Abraham ben Dover, the reclusive son of, of the Magid of um, Meserich, offers, um, offers a very different perspective on Shaul, and in the process sheds light on the matter at hand. There are two types of tzaddikim. The first is the elevated tzaddik, who is unable to lead his generation. He is so spiritual that his generation cannot tolerate him. Shaul was such a type. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. Um, and that's a quote from Shmuel. This means that his power of comprehension was so profound that his generation could not tolerate him, for he was in touch with the supernal wisdom and, it, and was unable to descend to his generation down beneath in order to raise them up. <laughs> in truth, um, the truth is that Shaul was not suited to be king and belonged in a different rank. 
Shaul was not too small a man to be king. He was too holy to be king. He was so spiritual, so great, that he could not effectively lead the people of his generation. He lived in the ivory tower of Judaism. Shout out Amudim, ivory tower. Um, a man infused with holiness, but unable to relate to the practical needs of his people. That's an interesting okay. read. Like, of I like that. Yeah, I mean, of Shaul. 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 Yeah. I like that, but um, I also have like a little issue with it, of it being like, Oh, like let's forget the fact that he had flaws. Really, it's because he was too great. It's like yeah. it's like deifying like yeah people that are really just humans. Human. Like he made yeah. mistakes, and I love Shaul. Yeah, I like, it, that story is like one of my favorite like mm-hmm. um like of nah no. like yeah. I think it's like just crazy. That in your <laughs> I don't necessarily love your meow. I just think Chazal was obsessed Chazal. with your meow. <laughs> We've only literally have it had it like two or three times. <laughs> We're three is a lot. We've know, only done we've like having, we've been having Shlomo so much. True, true. Yeah, Shlomo and Yermiahu are like the big, the big guys. The big two. <laughs> the big, like literally, last part show was like basically Shlomo, and this one's David, and it's like all about Shlomo. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know. Yeah, then there was a whole beta like comparing one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. No, I don't mind Shlomo. I prefer like I prefer, at least story wise, I like David and like Shlomo. Right. Me too, story-wise. I don't know. I don't know. Shlomo's interesting. Such a thought bubble. Yeah, um, thought bubble. But, but it's like, like an intellectual. Yeah, like, yeah, We're talking about Tanakh right about, now. <laughs> I don't know. Like, because like, he wrote, like, Mishle, Kohala, Shira, Shirim. Like, yeah. I think that's, like, so cool to, like, analyze him as, like, a person based on that. Kohala Ben David. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <I don't> <laughs> Allegedly. Okay, well. But. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's, he's definitely, like, an amazing person. I just, like, I don't know. If I had to choose, like. A famous king to like hang out with. Yeah, you know, like my college him. essays, they're like, yeah, who would you, who like, would you have dinner with? <laughs> Honestly, Loki think like show would be like a sick like dinner. Too. Yeah. Oh my god. Like that'd be crazy. Yeah, but he was, maybe like, before he like before. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, get him, get him some lithium, and we can talk. Thought bubble popped. <laughs> okay. Rav Avram continues, and in a passage strikingly in step with Rambam's interpretation of David, mm-hmm. explains that Shal was too compassionate to be an effective leader. He had the quality of compassion, and his sole intention was for the sake of heaven, but the truth is otherwise. For just as the quality of compassion is necessary, so is the quality of cruelty. Just as the Creator commanded us to have compassion when compassion is demanded, so did he command us to be cruel in circumstances demanded cruelty. Shal's excessive compassion, his overemphasis of the ideal of purity, rendered him an ineffective leader and led ultimately to his tragic demise. The king's role is not to immerse himself in deep spirituality, but rather to pursue righteousness for the sake of purity, to exercise power in order to create a heaven of spirituality. A haven of spirituality. <laughs> um, Rambam's, Rambam attributed the quality of Aksariu, cruelty, to David as a character flaw. However, it is possible to reinterpret David's cruelty in a positive fashion. It is precisely David's cruelty, better described as his ability and willingness to dirty himself for the sake of others, which has distinguished David from Shaul and made him the great leader that he was. David was the ultimate man of righteousness and thus the ultimate king, and it is this greatness that prevented him from building the Benamiktash, the house of purity. Rabbi Dean Steinzaltz, in his interpretation of the Tanya, describes the complete tzaddik as one who abnegates not only the desire of his animal soul, but those of his godly soul, because the only desire that drives him is the desire to serve God. A true leader is one who is capable of of the ultimate self-sacrifice, the sacrifice of his very eye, of his of his soul's yearning to cleave to God. Dammarov <laughs> <laughs> Shafachta, King, King David. 
sacrificed his own personal spiritual greatness, his own purity for the sake of righteousness, for God and the Jewish people. For this, the people of Israel are eternally grateful. Well, okay. Hi. Chazak, chazak. We did it. Yes, Wait, we actually, did it. I love that to our Torah. I think this was like our best half Torah ever. Yeah. Like, we, we, we like went off a little bit. Yeah, but time. it was so good. And like. I don't, because it's so bittersweet, but, like... But it was so good. Like, I, I expected to cry through the whole thing, and I didn't same. cry at all. I'm, like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that like, it's just good. Yeah. Uh, but, like, just, like, about this one, um, mm-hmm. that had, like, a bunch of, like, random, like, Kabbalistic-y things in it, and I think it was, like, just, like, kind of a little bit all over. Yeah. We brought in a lot of ideas. I don't think that there was a conclusion, but I liked all of his ideas. Like, yeah. kind, kind of, like, analyzing David's character and, like, like... It's not really something that we can answer. Like, why was he not allowed to, like, build a band of Mikdash? And, like, I always thought it was, like, kind of shot that, like... Yeah. He killed a lot of people. Right. Like, his hands were, like, too dirty for, like, Macbeth, as you said. Like, yeah. type of thing. But, I don't know. Like, this was interesting. Like, we can, like, always contemplate on, like... Why? God's like reasoning. But, like, it's God's reasoning, you know? Yeah. And, like, I really liked the explanations. And I, I liked, like, a lot of stuff he brought in. I don't know. Like... Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I liked especially... The, um, the stuff, like, with the soldiers, like, he kind of brought in, like, the modern, yeah, yeah. like, that's really, like, I like cool when thing. they, like, bring in, like, random Zionistic stuff. Yeah, there's, like, <laughs> yeah, also, the Six-Day War. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. Right. Well, oh we love God. you guys. We love you guys so much. And we hope you Thank have a great Thank you for Shabbos. sticking with us. Yeah. Countdown to Shabbos! Yeah, Woo! guys, today's actually It's Wednesday. Wednesday. We never do it on Wednesdays. Yeah, I think... Like, this is, like... Shachianu? Shachianu, maybe. I don't know. Um, but anyways, thank you for sticking with us. Yeah. We love you. We love you so we much. We have no idea what Be next week holds, yeah. but Shira loves yes. you, too. Be safe with Corona and all that. Um, yeah. Hang tight for some new content. Definitely. We're gonna figure that out. We're gonna figure out how to do this, but we're not leaving you guys. We're not. So, we're all in this together. Ooh. Shkayach. Shkayach. Bye, guys. Bye.